I, one of my favorite things to do is getting people together. And one of the things that I absolutely love to do is getting women together. I think women are so wonderful. And I love how us women are so unique. We have unique looks. We have unique callings. We have unique um, desires, personalities. And so when you get a group of women together, it's just fun. It's fun to look around. And, you know, we uh, decided that we were going to make each table look unique And so if you would look around, all the flowers are different. The decor is a little different. And that is not what my message is on at all. But I just wanted to point out that uniqueness is beautiful. And so someone today that's here needs to hear that. And that uniqueness, your uniqueness is beautiful and it's purposeful. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. Another thing about getting women together is I love talking about women. And I don't mean the gossiping. Uh, you know, maybe when I was a teenager, I kind of was a gossip. Those of you who know me, y'all know that as a teenager, I had a bent toward gossip, but then I got, con- I, I got truly convicted. And now I like to talk about women in a different way. I do love to cheer women on and, and, and talk about the good things they're doing for the kingdom, but I love to talk about the women of the Bible. And if you came to our retreat, we had a retreat last October. Um, it was called Thrive 24, it was 24 hours. And we taught every session was about a different woman in the Bible and what we could glean from her life. And so this morning, I want to continue that. And I'd like to talk about another woman in in the Bible. This woman is found in 2 Kings 4, chapter 4, verses 8 through 37. Um, You know, this morning, as you sat around a table and you got to introduce yourselves, you think about... What did you say to introduce yourself? Did you introduce yourself by, for you students, did you introduce yourself like, hi, nice to meet you. I'm a student of Acadiana High. Or if you have a job, hi, I'm the owner of a daycare. Like, is that how you introduce yourself? No. Do you introduce yourself by the last vacation you took? That probably would be more my style. Like, yes, I just went to Florida, you know, because I love traveling. But no, we introduce ourselves by our name. I am Cassie, you know? Well, this woman that we're talking about today, she, her name is not in the Bible. And as if you're a person who reads the Bible, you realize there's a lot of people in the Bible that they don't even say their name. It's where they're from. It's who their husband is. It's, you know, there's different ways that they get introduced. And so this woman this morning, we don't know her name. Now I heard a story of a lady preaching about this particular woman and she gave her a nickname. So we know her as the Shunammite woman. I've also heard her called Shumi. I'm not going to call her Shumi. That's just, you know, when you want to give people names, like somebody calls Potiphar's wife Hotifer. I've heard that, but I I don't, you know, I'm not going to just give them a a nickname. Those of you who know the story, you get it. It's funny. Um, but um, the Shunammite women is who I want to talk about, woman is who I want to talk about this morning. And in this part of her story, there's 29 verses that, that talk about her, and that's what we're going to go over today. Uh, by the way, if you want to use the index cards and the pens in the middle of your table to take notes, you're more than welcome to do that. Um, I'm going to give you some context and tell you kind of who this lady is, and then we're going to dive in. So this woman, the Shunammite woman, was a wealthy woman. Um, she encountered the prophet Elisha. And just to, and some people say Elisha. So Elisha, Elisha, 
uh, just so you know, that's who I'm talking about. Um, but I will call him Elisha because that's what I've always called him. So he was the prophet Elijah's successor, okay? Um, he was a prophet of Israel during the time when the Israelites had turned their backs on God. Can we just pause and say it kind of feels like America has wanted to go that direction and turn their backs on God, right? So we can relate. Um, now, Elisha often passed by this woman's house, and she decided that she would feed him. She'd offer him food. She showed hospitality to him, hospitality to him fed him, and recognized that he was a man of God. So she tells her husband one day, this is a man of God, and I want to build him a room on our home so that when he passes through, he can have somewhere to stay. We'll give him a table. We'll give him a, um, a lamp, a bed. And, and just really, really showed some hospitality to him. So when he'd come by, they'd feed him. They'd put him up, him and his servant Gehazi. So I'm going to pick up in verse 11, uh, chapter 4, verse 11. And then well, I'll read a couple chapters there. I mean, a couple, not a couple chapters, a couple verses. One day, Elisha returned to Shunem, and he went to his upper room to rest. Again, his upper room was at this lady's home. He said to his servant Gehazi, tell the woman from Shunem, I want to speak with her. When she appeared, Elisha said to Gehazi, tell her we appreciate the kind concern you have shown us. What can we do for you? Can we put in a good word for you to the king or the commander of the army? And she's like, no, I'm good. I don't need anything from you. I don't need anything from you. I'm good. After all this kindness and hospitality that he, that she showed them, he couldn't leave it alone. He's like, man, this lady has been so hospitable to us that I really, really want to do something. So he talks to Gehazi and Gehazi's like, hey, you know, she doesn't have a son and her husband's old, meaning that's a, a need, that's a want, that's a desire she has. Her, she doesn't have a son, her husband's old, so just letting you know, do what you want with it kind of thing. And so in verse 16, this is what Elisha does. He tells her, he calls her back and he says, next year at this time, you will be holding a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she cried. Oh, man of God, don't deceive me and get my hopes up like that. But sure enough, the woman soon became pregnant. And that time the following year, she had a son. So it's like a super sweet story, right? This lady is showing hospitality and kindness and generosity to the man of God. And he, I don't, I don't know how he had that kind of pull with God, but he's like, hey, you're going to have a baby. Something you have been wanting for for so long, something that that is a deep desire, you're you're going to have it, and she has it. But the story doesn't end there. What ends up happening is when this little boy gets a, you know, gets a little older, he gets a headache one day while he's in the field with his dad. And so his dad's like, hey, uh, go see, you know, he tells the servant, go bring him to his mama. You know how our kids, those of you who are parents, when our kids have headaches and they're not feeling good, they want to come to mama, which is such a sweet little uh, gesture. Um, but he goes and he sits on mama's lap for a couple hours. Or it says from morning till noon. And at noon, he passes away. He dies in his mama's arms, in the Shunammite woman's arms, this hospitable woman who's very generous and um, got blessed with one of the greatest treasures ever 
it gets taken away from her. And so in verse 21, we're going to pick up and read a quite a bit of scripture, but I really, it's up here. Is the scripture up here today? Yeah, we got it. All right. I really ask you to pay, to, to pay attention, follow along, because this is good stuff. Verse 21 says, she carried him up. She carried him up. So he dies. She carries him up and lays him on the bed of the man of God, then shut the door and left him there. She sent a message to her husband. Send one of the servants and the donkey so that it can hurry to the man of God and come right back. Her husband's like, why go today? It's neither new moon festival nor Sabbath. But she said, it'll be all right. In some translations, it reads, all is well, or it is well. Verse 24, she saddled the donkey, uh, said to the servant, hurry, don't slow down unless I tell you. So she's, she's going. As she per- approached the man of God at Mount Carmel, Elisha saw her in the distance. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, look, the woman from Shunem is coming. Run out to meet her and ask her if everything is all right. Verse 27, she says, yes. Verse 27 says, but when she came to the man of God, she fell to the ground before him and caught hold of his feet. Gehazi began to push her away. We're just going to make a note there that she's running up to the man of God and his servant pushes her away. But the man of God says, leave her alone. She's deeply troubled, but the Lord has not told me what it is. And what happens after that is she tells him what's going on. He sends his servant with his staff to put his staff on the boy. The servant does that and nothing happens. So then the the Shunammite woman and Elisha arrive on the scene. Elisha goes into the room where the little boy is. He goes in totally alone. He lays on the boy face to face, arm to arm. Then he gets up. Nothing happens in that moment. He gets up, paces the floor, lays back on him. The boy gets warm, sneezes seven times. He comes alive. And then Elisha's like, hey, go get his mom and Uh, The mom comes in. She's super grateful. She gets bows down at Elisha's feet and worships and then takes her son and carries on with her day. Now, the later on in that book of the Bible, it does talk about her again, but that's what we're going to talk about today. And so I just think what a wild emotional roller coaster this woman was on. And I honestly think it kind of can relate to a lot of our lives in here of just being on those wild roller coasters of life. Everything's awesome. Everything's terrible. And you just, some, you, you have something beautiful and it gets stripped away from you. You have something you enjoy and all of a sudden you lose it. It's not there. And so I just wonder, what is that for you? Has it maybe a relationship? Maybe there was a relationship you were in whether it be some kind of romantic relationship or a friend. Maybe you had a friend and and things were well, things were good, and then all of a sudden something happened and then you're left brokenhearted because you don't know where things lie. Maybe a job. Maybe there was a job that provided security for you. You enjoyed it. It was a blessing. Maybe your husband's job. I talked to a lady recently and she said ever since COVID, they know her husband's going to get laid off and they just don't know when. So every week when he goes to work, he is not sure if he's still going to have a job, I'm like, imagine. That's crazy. Maybe a lost loved one. I, I'm, I know a lot of us in here have lost loved ones, and it's painful. You have them one moment, and then you don't. Um, your career, your reputation, there's so many things, even tangible things, even maybe your dream vehicle. I don't know. There's just so many things in life that we have 
maybe status, that it's going well, we're enjoying it, and then one day we lose it. Am I the only one that can relate with that? Or can y'all relate with that too, right? So I want to look at the Shuamite woman, what she went through, what her responses were, because I think there's some takeaways that we can take away that will help us when we're walking through this kind of storm or when we're walking with a sister who's walking through this kind of storm. Because if it's not you, it's probably someone next to you. And so we're going to dig deeper. And um, the takeaways that I want to talk about, there's three. There's so much more. So I encourage all of you to go and read this story again and ask the Lord to speak to you what you can get out of it because it's super inspiring. So there was three things she, do- she did. I was going to say three, three ways she took 